The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. The hate mail's already coming in. We haven't even started the show. That's awesome. (laughs) That's always a good sign. I'm telling you, this this little uh, platform here is going to make money. A lot of GoFundMe things. Right? Alrighty. Hi, how you guys doing? My name is Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, Top Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We've got a great show for you today. It's a little different than what we normally do, which is why I wanted to do it. In Lawrence this past Sunday, there were, on Friday and Sunday, there were uh, Black Lives Matter protests on the common. And uh, sometime around Friday morning, word got uh, to all the businesses in, in Methuen and in Salem, New Hampshire, <clears throat> that Black Lives Matter was going to be having a rally in Lawrence. And after watching uh, two full weeks of riots on TV, the local businesses freaked out, I think rightfully so, boarded up their businesses. The Rockingham Mall uh, barricaded the outside doors. Um, many businesses in downtown Lawrence uh, boarded up their windows. Everybody was expecting violence, probably except for me. Um, everybody was expecting violence in Lawrence. And the only reason why I wasn't really expecting violence is because the, the Dominican culture in Lawrence, the, 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 the Dominican people of Lawrence, they love their neighborhoods. And I just couldn't see them burning down their own neighborhoods. I, I, I could almost see them going somewhere else and burning down a neighborhood, but I couldn't see them doing it in Lawrence. And it went off Friday night, no violence. Sunday night, except for one idiot, uh, one of my homeless guys that I feed, threw something at the cops, and one of the cops tackled him, pushed him into a pole, and then he was you know, no longer a threat. Uh, but other than that, it was a pretty peaceful protest. Now, peaceful in that it was not violent. There were a lot of speakers, though, that called for violence. There were some speakers that called for hate, um, hated the cops, hating white people. But As I'm watching, and I was there for a little while, and then I had a friend of mine that was there streaming it. As I'm watching it, I saw this guy, Santiago Reyes Jr. Did I get it right? Santiago Reyes Cruz Jr. Cruz Jr., I'm sorry. Why do you guys have five names? Can I just ask you that? What's up with that? Let me tell you this. Um, Parents, when they get married, none of them want to break. Okay. They don't want to lose their names. So everybody... They want to. They want to have include everything because it sounds like a law firm, Santiago Reyes Cruz Jr. Right? That's why I kept it. That's awesome. So one of the guys that was talking had a very different message, and I thought, you know, if Black Lives Matter listened to this guy, then maybe we wouldn't have violence everywhere. Maybe we would actually be able to talk about race issues between black and white without all the hostility, without all the hatred, without all the all the uh, the animus. And so we started communicating on Facebook. And I said, you know, first he asked if he could write a column for the paper. I said, absolutely. If it has to do with helping Lawrence, I'm always in, despite what all the hood rats on Facebook say. Um, and then I, and I started thinking about it. I actually, I went to bed, and I, I, I'm laying in bed, and I thought, you know what? I got to get this guy on the show. Like, my regular audience needs to hear from this guy, and your friends and the people who follow you need to hear from me. And we ought to be able to have and show people that we can have a discussion where we can disagree on political issues, but not be disagreeable without being hateful. 
So why don't we start, Santiago Reyes Cruz Jr. Uh, why don't you say, introduce yourself to people, tell people who you are, where you come from, um, and then we'll start talking about the rally a little bit. Yeah, and, and thank you for giving me the space to, to talk about a little bit about me. Why? Because uh, I want people to focus on, on, on me individually for, for like 10 seconds every time during this little um, podcast as an individual who I am. I, I grew up in the Dominican Republic. I was raised there. My mom, she she looked at the structure of, of the school system around around us, and she already had family in, in New York. So she saw that as an opportunity for me to get a better education. So she came over here, and she she came here first, and then then I piggyback. And I was mind you, I was maybe four or five months years old, and um, four, four months old. And my father, he tried to piggyback also. However, there was a, a criminal in the Dominican Republic who had his same name. Oh, boy. The criminal's mother, because it, it's a small town. A lot of Hispanics share the same name, right? Mm. The criminal's mom had the same name as my dad's mom. So because my, we have two Dominicans. Right. So the birth certificate has those two names and yeah. you got red flag. So And this happened during 9-11, during 2001. So... Any red flag during immigration process, any second look at your visa, stop the whole the, the whole shebang, right? Because right. anyone that had a anything written up on their visa, any any sort of red flag because of the towers, everything was stopped. So we had two Dominicans. One was my father, who who, who did the right thing, went to school, had a nine to five, and then we have, we have a criminal, another Dominican, and now he's jeopardizing my family's right. well being. So that did not stop my mom's courage. For 13 years, we had to prove who my father was. Wow. 13 years. Wow. My mother, my mother and I were here struggling because someone tried to take uh, the shortcut. And that's what we're going to talk about. Who's taking the shortcut? Who's fighting the right way? And who's harming um, the black movement, the Black Lives Matter community, and, and, and holding the Black Lives Movement back from what it could be? Because right now what we see is is a lot of negativity, right. a, a, a lot of um, hate being fo- be, being vocalized, mm-hmm. and 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 I get frustration. Any 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 little child will will cry in, in any sort of uh, discomfortness. However, we're going to talk about today, and it's going to take more than one meeting to talk about what tools have been u- have been used, and what tools need to be used. Okay. So you were at the Black Lives Matter, and you, your, your message was very different. It was about love. It was about coming together. It was about working with people of different races. Did it make you uncomfortable when they were up there saying, fuck the police, when they were saying, defund the police, get rid of all the police? Um, a lot of anti-white rhetoric, not by the speakers so much, but people yelling in the crowd. Did that make you feel uncomfortable? It made me feel very uncomfortable. Why? Because right now I have um, brothers and sisters who are in the armed forces, serving in the United States military. I have- Thank um, them, by the way, for their service. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone who has served in the U.S. military plans on serving and has served in the past. Also, I have people who are currently in Lawrence, grew up in Lawrence, graduated from Lawrence High School, serving in the police department, and they are also under um, on Chief Roy Vasquez, and, and they're doing great things for the community. They're finally giving- kids the opportunity to look up at a local role model who is a cop because the, the current trend is to look at rappers as as role models right and that's what a lot of youth are are, are doing now and unfortunately a lot of those guys glorify criminal activity they glorify gang life ghetto life and, and that's something that needs to be addressed that yep. needs to be yep. injected into 
our homes, our communities, that that type of behavior cannot be um, tolerated. Why? Because those type of trends have built up to what we see now. A, right. a lot of hostility when, when people behave, when people react. The term ratchet, um, hood rat, that comes from, 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 from a, a lot of rap videos, believe it or not. These I get I get killed on Facebook every time I use the phrase hood rat. Every single time I get killed on Facebook, I get threats. I get people coming and calling me racist. And my my belief has always been I treat everybody the same badly. Okay, you come on my page if you're nice and you want to say Tom Duggan sucks. I let it, I, I I let it stay up. I don't block people. But if they start with the racism or threats or any of that kind of stuff, and anytime I I try to call out some of these young kids for acting like hood rats because they don't want to have a, a conversation like you and I. They want to come, drop bombs, uh, hurl insults, and then run away. Um, and I use, I use it just so that we know who the, who the hood rats are. I mean, if I say hood rats and you get upset, chances are you're one of the hood rats, right? And, and, and let me tell you, there are people who, who, who will correct you and tell you, uh, no, that, that's not who I am. How will they correct you? Right. Show me, show me your, your resume. Show me your, what, what do you do for other people? You know, show me your behavior. Right. And that'll speak for itself. Right. And, and that's what we want to talk about. Is there a, 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 tipping to, a tipping point where people can redeem themselves? Mm -hmm. Because that's what Lawrence needs to face. Lawrence is very unique, though, because it's not, it's not a black population. It's a, it's a Domin mostly Dominican, but mostly Latino population. Do you think that because... The Lawrence police come from Lawrence High and come from Lawrence, and many of them are Latinos, and they have a stake in the neighborhood. Do you think that contributed to not having any violence for two full nights of, of rallies for Black Lives Matter? Because like in a big city like Minneapolis, people don't have a personal connection to those police offices because it's so big, but whereas Lawrence is so small, and it's, it is predominantly Dominican, and we have a lot of Dominican police offices. Do you think that's one of the reasons why the, the people took more ownership of their neighborhoods in Lawrence as opposed to like Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Baltimore, LA. Yeah, I think Lawrence is is a, a really unique place, and this is why because just as you say, police officers they're Dominican, they were raised there, but also the night scene. Some cops, when they are off off duty, they'll go to the local restaurants, they'll they'll go into one of the stores, so so they see the the population on a daily basis. Right. If they're not having a drink at a local bar, um, they're always in the community. Or, or making a stop and, and not giving someone a pass, but the way that they handle the situation, right. it's more of an education um, moment where they're educating the, the civilian that, that was stopped, etc. However, there are circumstances where even in, even in that sort of um, utopia, people try to disrespect others. So this is not a, a race thing. This is about um, an education thing. So even though Lawrence had a, had a, had a beautiful um, moment where they were able to show the world where if we work together, we can get things done. Even though they're, they're doing that inside of Lawrence, Massachusetts, within, within themselves, Hispanics need to understand that, that what they're projecting to the outside community right. is being heard. Right. So that's why things like fuck the police, um, defund the police, Lawrence needs to make a clear decision of what they're going to do, who they're going to support, and Black Lives Movement needs to politically address the issue. Do you think they're capable of, of doing that as a movement when you go to their website, when you look at what they are projecting as their message is hatred toward the system, the system is racist, hatred toward cops, hatred toward 
our capitalist uh, system, our economy, it almost seems like you need ha- you need your own group. It almost seems like Dominicans or Latinos need their own group because I, I'm hearing two different messages. And when I see Black Lives Matter in a black community or a mixed community, it's a very different message than when you go into a community like Lawrence, which is mostly Latino. Very, very different message. Very different way of handling things. Very different way of, of dealing with the police. Like I, I've been, I've been treated very badly by some police officers. Now my dad was a cop. My uncle was was a cop. All my cousins growing up were cops. Um, I know a lot of cops, and a lot of the cops know me because of what happened to my dad. But I've still had cops pull me over and treat me like crap. And yeah, in, in, one of the reasons I I very rarely will drive through Andover because there's two cops in Andover that have harassed me in the past, and they're still on the force, and I want no part of any of that. But after I walked away from being treated badly, I never assumed that it was because of my race. And I never assumed it was because of my name or that they knew my dad and hated my dad. I never made that assumption. And I see a lot of people in the United States, when they get pulled over by a bad cop who just treats them badly, automatically assume it's because of their race and it becomes a race issue. Can you talk about that a little bit? It almost seems like there are people out there who have a racial inferiority complex where anything bad that happens to them then feeds into that loop of they're doing it because of my race. And a lot of times the cop's just an asshole. He's not being an asshole because you're black or Latino. He's just an asshole. Yeah. And and that's the the easy way out, the race card. That's something that has been used for for many years. Um, we can't. We got to stop agreeing on this stuff. We, we, I, People are tuning in for conflict, you know. And, th- and this is why we're going to make a killing because we're we're showing people an example as to what we need to continue creating, what chapters need to be written. Because for far too long, um, we, we we've been. I just met you, Tom, maybe a couple of days ago, right? Or a few weeks ago, I'd say. So let me tell you a little bit about my history before sure, I, no, go before I even ra- um, ramble on to my um race car to answer so my mother and i you know we were we were growing up here um she did her thing she, she started working at 825 at a little bakery she's still there to this day 22 years and let's give him a free plug what bakery is it joseph bakery oh okay down joseph's on, yep. down on andover yep andover street yep yep so i grew up eating pancakes lunch dinner breakfast all day every day because <laughs> it was free for her right and and she my dad would always tell me education is your way out I started working um, s- selling newspaper, um, and, and before you know it, I was in college and served, served, served my time a little bit in the National Guard, and during this time, I was just following the rules, and I wanted to have fun, but guess what? Um, my fun was playing football. My fun was going outside, and, and some of my friends, their fun was sneaking out. Um, taking the the extra five dollars from 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 the mom's purse, do, doing things like that, and it all comes down to what they were exposed to early on. Right. And even though I didn't have my father physically there with me, I still had his presence over the phone. And we were able to talk to each other. So I I still had that sub family where I had my mom and dad. And a lot of kids in Lawrence, they have young parents. They let them watch whatever they want on TV, and that hurts a child. So right. where did that little kid learn? Um, to start twerking at right. seven years old because mom was recording a video on Facebook. Right. You know what I mean? Because mom had a child early on mm-hmm. and early on she um, wanted to continue having fun with her life and, and, and then sadly she had a kid watching her do all these things. So we, Lawrence needs to take care of, 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 of what we call education, how, how, how they're exposing their kids. And this is why I want to talk about the race card because it's the easy way out. If we look at history, if... If, if we study history 
and, and we look back and, and we, we pretend we're at a college dorm room just chilling on a Friday night, we will see that um, black people have been in the opposite spectrum where they were enslaving white people. Right. We'll see that throughout history. Right. And, and a quick, quick, quick example of that was in, in, in Egypt. Right. Let's go to Egypt. Who built the pyramids? The Jews. The Jews. Right. And this is biblical. This is something that, that we know for sure. So history over time lashes out at a certain populace. And it's not based on your skin color. It's based on, on, on what you project, how you handle yourself. Look at Barack Obama. We had, we had, we had a great black um, black president. Why? Because of the way he carried himself. And not for, for, for one moment did, did anyone think that this guy was uneducated. Maybe he had a couple of things that people didn't like. I had things that I didn't like. He approved a lot of policies that were against who, who, who I am uh, as a Republican, you know, who I believed in. Wait, you're a Republican? I'm a Republican. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and it's because I'm, I'm, I'm a hardcore Christian. And, and, and if you have Christian values, you will stand up for, 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 your, for your nation and, and, you'll, and you'll look at history. And the Republican Party is the party that actually represented the, the black community, right. believe it or not during the Civil War. So black people throughout history have had a, a great significant role in, in, in the um, development of the Western world, not just the Eastern world where, where we are now, well, well, I'm sorry, in the Western world where we are now, right. in, the, in the Eastern world, in Europe, um, the black, black culture, black history, black trade is what really allowed um, Europe to develop. However, through diplomacy, through, through trade, um, Caucasians, white people, the Jews were able to to escape. Right. They were able to negotiate, trade, do business, and 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 that's what it is. And that's what people need to know. We need to handle these situations, these matters at hand with diplomacy, with trade. And there are things that we 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 may on we may disagree on. Well, that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping we were going to disagree a lot more than we are. And this is um one of the things that that, that I know you may not um at all be ready for or, or not be willing to do. But one of the biggest role models that I had in the city um, that I was just watching online while in school, while at work, because, you know, as a college kid, I was just, um, UMass Dartmouth, that's where I went to school, just zooming through things. I saw, I saw Debo Brown. Oh, boy. We De normally don't use his name on this show, but we're going we're gonna to allow it for, the, for, for today. Yep. So pretty much. Debo inspired you? This is what this is what this is what I, I saw about Debo. I saw someone trying to um, write write a new book, someone willing to redeem himself. And growing up the way I did, obviously, um, you you want people to um, to to be held accountable for what, for the things they've, they they've done. And 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 if 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 I've been given the opportunity to hold um, the sledgehammer of a judge. And, and 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 I see that someone's really uh, really sorry for what he's doing, et cetera. I should give him the, the opportunity to redeem himself. And 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 what we've seen from Debo Brown in the past, I know you feel very strong to the content, and I agree. We we, we need to bring it to a point where it's more um, eloquent. Right. We need to bring it to a point where it represents who we want to be, mm -hmm. not where we come from, not where we are, right. but where we want to go. My beef with Debo has less to do with what was in his past than him just trashing me on Facebook every chance he gets. And one day he went on Facebook and he called me a rapist. Whoa. Okay? Not a racist, but a rapist. 
then about he came to my office and he apologized and I'm sorry and let's just kind of work things together. And we did a video together, which was really funny. I was going, yo, yo, yo. I was, I was being him and he was being me. It was hilarious. And a lot of people liked it. And I thought, well, you know, this Debo guy's not so bad. But then a few months later, he called me a child pornographer on Facebook because those two kids that got caught having sex at Lawrence High School, someone leaked out a picture of the girl straddling the guy, but they still had clothes on. They weren't having sex. And I called one of my police chief friends and said, listen, I'm going to send you a picture. Is this okay to post on Facebook or am I going to be in trouble for this? And he said, no, you're all set. They're not actually having sex. They look like they're simulating sex, but they're not having sex. So I put that on Facebook and he immediately went on Facebook and called me a child pornographer. Said he was going to call the FBI, all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? This guy came to my office and he apologized. He looked me in the eye and I forgave him after he called me a rapist. And now he's doing this. So I started trashing him on Facebook again. And again, he comes over to me at TMF, shakes my hand. You know what? This isn't good for either of us. Let's put it behind us. And I forgave him again. And six months later, he just keeps doing it. So for me, it's much less to do with his past as much as his word isn't worth anything to me anymore. Because if someone called you a rapist, I'm pretty sure you'd think long and hard before you'd forgive them if they did it publicly. That's a pretty rough charge. Someone called you a child pornographer. That's a really, that's an even worse charge, right? I think most people would probably not forgive them, but I did. And then he came at me again. And so my biggest, my biggest beef with Debo is you erase all of the good things you do in the community when you do shit like that. And people can see that you're out there and that you're, he, he, he does do some good things. I'm not going to take that away from him. There are some things he's done in the community that have been good. I just don't know that it's motivated by good when I see the way he's behaved. So I've, you know, even just recently, trashing me over, um, over the video that, we, that I put up. I went shooting, and I put getting ready for the ghetto apocalypse. And of course, people who think race all the time thought it was racial. And said, oh, this is against Latinos, this is against Lawrence, this is against... And it wasn't any of that. It was, I'm watching TV, and I'm watching Minneapolis burn down, I'm watching Baltimore burn down, I'm watching Los Angeles burn down. And it's not rich white people from multi-million dollar homes doing it, it's poor people from the ghetto of all races. And of course, he screen captures it, puts it on his page, and he starts calling me a racist again. Rather than calling me like you did, you instant messaged me, rather than communicating with me and saying, what did you mean by this? And, and do you realize that people might take it a different way and have a conversation about it? He wasn't capable of doing that. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. You were capable of doing that. Yeah, and, and that's the type of um, discipline it's going to take for, for, for all of us to be able to address those topics. And, and I've spoken with Debo. I spoke with him b b before the show today. And, and he, is a, he, he wants to write new chapters. He wants to create... Uh, a beautiful scenery for Lawrence to be able to uh, relive what it was. Because um, on, on the column you posted on the Value Patriot, uh, I, I, I wrote, Lawrence, Massachusetts is a city of immigrants, always was, always will be, a stepping stone for all new coming legal immigrants who wish to pursue their American dream. And again, the, the word term, the, the terminology is legal. Um, I, I have no beef with um, with Mexico. I believe we should um, have a, a better relationship with Mexico. We could increase our economic wealth through Mexico, have better work, uh, better trades. But tr what Trump wants is Trump wants everyone to have a registered account. Everyone's coming legally, have a transaction. Right. And, 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 and that makes sense. Right. I'm all for immigration as long as people come legally. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if they come from 
Africa. I don't care if they come from Europe. I don't care if they come from China. Yeah. Just come here legally, go through the same process. Because to me, there's, there's some black guy in the Congo somewhere who applied for American citizenship, who applied to come here legally. And he's waiting 10 years. He's going through the right process. He's paying what he's supposed to pay. He's getting all of his physicals he's supposed to get. And then other people just jump the line and come in here. And then not only do they come in illegally, but they come in illegally carrying flags of other countries, demanding free stuff and calling us racist. We're letting you in and you snuck in. So we let you stay and we give you welfare. We give you Section 8 housing. We educate your kids for free. If you break your leg, you go to the hospital. We pay for it. And we're the bad guys. I think that's where a lot of middle-class white people are in this country in their head, where they don't, they don't care about the color of someone's skin or where they come from. They care about the behavior once they get here. And no matter where you come from, if you're coming here from another country and you're holding up another flag and rallying in our streets and calling us bad, calling America bad, calling America racist, the country you fled to, that's what we have a problem with. That's what I have a problem with. So... It's easy to call someone racist because they want someone to come here legally. They don't want illegal immigration. They want to build a wall, all the things that I support. And, and it has literally nothing to do with race. But racism becomes the, becomes the charge. And as soon as racism becomes the charge, all conversation stops. Because it's, yes, yes, you're a racist. No, I'm not a racist. Yes, you're a racist. And then the conversation becomes about racism instead of immigration, no matter what, you know, or, or whatever topic it is. Yep, and that's why we need to educate ourselves because if we keep using that race card... We're going to do nothing but uh, stay in that cycle, that mentality. When human evolution, people are waiting for humans to evolve with wings. When in reality, human evolution is in its creativity. Right. The way we, we interact, our creativity, that's how we evolve. Through time, we've seen the development of our, of our technology, of our uh, societies, our, our government, etc., and, and that's what people need to, to move past, that race card. Because if we continue using that race card, um, we're going to continue supporting um, the, ter the term reverse racism, mm -hmm. where now we're, we're pointing at white people. And any little thing that white people do, they're being attacked on. I've ha I have white friends who are calling me. They, they, they've, they've, they've been crying. They, they feel re really upset. They've been hurt emotionally, physically, spiritually because of what's going on. And that's not fair to those innocent people. And I have to look at this as a leader because if I lean too far left with some radicals who are saying defund the police, um, fuck the police, I'm also going to hurt them by not educating them. As leaders, I, I need to um, straighten out and guide their efforts. How do we get those people to listen to people like you? I bet there's a lot more people like you in the middle who don't fall in line with the far left stuff about defunding the police in America as a racist system, who agree that, yeah, there's racism and, and it needs to be addressed and we need to address it harshly and we need to not make excuses for it. But it's not as systemic as they say that it is. There's nothing in the system of, of public, of, of criminal justice where, unlike other countries, where you get treated differently based on the color of your skin. And I always hear... Um, people say, well, you know, a white person is more likely to get more jail time for the same crime as a white person. And on the surface, that sounds really racist if it's true. Well, let's just assume for a minute that it is true. But it doesn't take into account the underlying issues. A lot more of the black people who are being arrested or being charged with that particular crime that a white person got less of a sentence for, well, the white guy might not have had a record when he got arrested. And the black guy's record might have been a lot longer. So there's a lot more things under, you can't just throw a stat out and say, therefore, it's racist. 
we have to have a conversation about what, what, what the underlying issues are of that and then try to address it. One thing I want to I uh, touch off with you, and we've got some questions from the audience too we'll get to. Um, you talk about education, and one of my biggest frustrations is the public education system. It seems to me that, uh, especially when kids come looking for a job, and I, and I try to have a conversation with them, and they're a graduate of public schools, they know all about abortion, they know all about gay marriage, they know all about transgender bathrooms, they know all about global warming. They don't know anything about the First Amendment. They don't know anything about the Constitution at all. They don't, they don't understand the Second Amendment. Um, they can't spell. They can't put commas in the right place. And I don't blame them. I blame the school system. So if, if the answer is better educating kids, wouldn't then the first action that we have rather than defunding the police would be to get our schools, and especially the teachers' unions, to stop teaching politics in the schools and give these kids the tools they need to actually get a good job, to spell, to read a traditional clock, to balance a checkbook? Yeah, that's exactly what what's missing in the, in the school systems. One of my friends... Um, You're not supposed to agree with me on everything, man. This is <laughs> I know, it, it's tough. It's tough to find something that... that that we that we are you sure you speak, that was you speaking in the Black Lives Matter rally? Yeah, that was me. That was me. And, and this is the thing, Tom. We're talking about possible solutions, mm -hmm. and 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 I'm I'm done tired. I'm tired of talk, talking about the, the the problems. I know what the problems are. I know what the people are complaining about. I want someone to bring possible solutions to the table, and the public school system cannot do it by itself, because the problem is when the kid goes home. What the child is exposed to when he, when, when he or she is at home, that, mm -hmm. that's the big issue. Right. And that's why some kids have been making fun of the, of the recent incident that, ha that has occurred online because of, of the things that are happening at home. And what will happen tomorrow, what will happen in the next few, few coming weeks is depending on what we want to do. Right. And Lawrence needs to think about who who she is in, in in the middle of all this because Lawrence is a big speaker as to what's going on within Lawrence's protest there were some signs who who, who did not look homemade right they looked professionally made mm -hmm. and they said defund the police so i believe this is a democratic approach to try to influence on political gain because what they're really looking forward to is is not to defund the police but to replace the people who are currently in the in, in the police system and give the badge to someone else and i i understand that that that's that's a movement that if, if police officers um, are not going to do their job the right way they should step down but those those people who are saying fuck the police defund the police are actually giving way to a democratic strategy that is said to put biden in in power mm -hmm. because a lot of people in the crowd are actually white people doing these things with these because i'm telling you these signs are not homemade right some of them are, are professionally made and it's a, it's, a, it's a strategy within the black within the hispanic community to try to incite them to fight against whites right so we're being led into more war you know what i mean by bigger powers at play right. and that's what black lives matters needs to understand that black lives movement needs to understand that they're being manipulated to to fight a war for for a political party for a political party yeah. right now if you look at, at what's going on in dc i don't know if you if you've heard, if you heard about there's like six blocks that's being um controlled oh in seattle okay seattle yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay good, good yeah i just started posting about that last night 
I was actually surprised. I heard it on Tucker, so I started doing some research. And um, you get this warlord who just literally took over six whole blocks of Seattle. And I keep looking, saying, where are the police? Where is the military? And where are our leaders? There is, I mean, this guy literally is taking people hostage. And nobody's challenging him. Like, they're just letting it happen in the United States of America. It makes you, it makes the normal people, it makes normal people question our own safety. You know, we think that we're safe when we're walking through our neighborhoods. We think we're safe when we go to downtown Boston and go to eat, go to a show. And then you see this, and there's no authority challenging this guy. And you got to wonder, that how safe are we really? If we don't have leaders that are willing to step up, and, and speaking of leaders too, and I don't want to change the subject, but I guess we will for a second. Um, one of my frustrations with Lawrence not moving forward in the last 10 years, Dan Rivera has done some great things for Lawrence as a mayor. But I think the pivotal point in his mayoral term was when Donald Trump called out Lawrence as the hub of the opioid crisis. That was such an incredible opportunity for Dan Rivera to get up at a microphone and say, you know what, May you know what President Trump, you're right. Lawrence has a drug problem. We have a gang problem. Give us $50 million so we get the DEA in here. We can get more police officers. We can start cracking down and we can stop it. And instead, he got up to a microphone and he said, well, Donald Trump is saying that because he's racist. And he's kicking us when we're down because we have brown skin. And that sent a signal to all the criminals in Massachusetts, in, in, in Lawrence, that this guy's got your back. And if someone's going to try and call them out, if someone's going to try and call out the problem, and I deal with it all the time when I try and call out problems in Lawrence, it's racism. And that totally shuts down. And as the result of him making it racism rather than challenging the president to do something, he could have said, listen, Mr. President, now that you've identified the problem, what are you going to do to fix it? Give us $50 million. Give us more money for community police. Help us with our education system. Get, put a strategy together to help Lawrence not become the, hope, the, opioid, crisis, the opioid center of, of New England. And instead, he fumbled the ball. And I think the minute that happened, we, we addressed it on this show. I think the minute that happened, all the progress that Lawrence had made up until that point was just out the window. And I don't know if you want to talk about that, talk about that at all, but I, I just wish we had leaders that could just be honest. Just be honest, the good and the bad. Just come out and say, yeah, you know what? We do have an opioid problem. And then challenge people to help them fix it. Mm -hmm. That's what a leader does. Uh, a leader doesn't get up there and say, no, we don't have a problem. Because obviously Lawrence does have a problem. I mean, yep. I mean he could say that and, and all of his white friends in the Democrat Party can nod their head in bovine agreement. Oh, yeah, there's no problem in Lawrence. But those of us who drive through Lawrence every day see it. People who live in Lawrence see it. They live it. Yeah, it's very tough. It's, it's tough because a lot of the homeless community is what's feeding that, that culture, that, mm -hmm. that, that drug problem. It, it's, it's being maintained because if, if, there's a, if there's a drug problem, it's because there's a supply and demand. Right. You know, there's a, a supply. Sure. Because there's, there's a high demand for it. Right. So we need to think about this as a, as a, as a business point of view. Uh, take away the, the demand. You'll, you'll take away the supply. Right. You know what I mean? If people weren't looking for drugs, they, they wouldn't have, there wouldn't be any drug dealers. Right. Chris Rockaway says, drug dealers don't sell drugs. They don't have to convince you to buy drugs. <laughs> nobody, go, nobody goes over to someone and says, come on, you really want this, don't you? People want it. They, they yeah. approach the drug dealers. They're the ones that want it. And we have, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest frustrations, I think, people who live in Lawrence, my family still lives in Lawrence, is the image that Lawrence has. 
And so whenever there's a shooting and I post it online because it's my job, I get accused of making Lawrence look bad, even by some of my family members. You're making Lawrence look bad. Why do you have to talk about it? And my position has always been, if you don't talk about it, you can't solve the problem. If you keep saying you're picking on us whenever we point to a problem in Lawrence rather than, oh, yeah, you're right, let's try to fix that, it's never going to change. And I don't see a lot of leadership on the city council. I see no leadership on the school committee. And I see very little leadership out of the mayor's office. And Lawrence has so... I'm 53 years old. Since I was five, I've been hearing Lawrence has potential. But we've never... Lawrence's potential has never been realized. Because the leaders get in and they're more interested in pandering to a political party or pandering to the, the, the least of, of the cr- people who are credible in Lawrence. You know, the people that want to cry racism, the people that want to be victims, and they just pander to them. And then those people give them money for their campaign and they continue to maintain power. I'm looking for people like you. You know, I, what, my biggest frustration about Dan Rivera is that he is capable of running the city, but once he leaves, even though I don't like a lot of the things he does, I don't see anybody on Lawrence's farm team that can step up to the plate and run the city correctly. I don't see it. Until I met you. Now I'm hoping maybe you'll run for mayor next year. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll see uh, how the how the fundraising goes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a potential candidate. Her, I believe her name is Anna. I've been um, away from the the runner ups who who's trying to get get their hand in there. I know there's a lot of um, people who want who want to run, run it, but their English is not the best. Right. Like Brian DeBanya, he wants to run for it. But I he, love Brian. Yeah, he, he's, he's a great guy, but he, he, um, he might have a barrier. Right. You know, we'll see. I just wish he was more proactive. If he's watching this, I love Brian. My frustration with him is he's not proactive. Like, he responds to things that come to the council table, but he's not out there looking for things to solve. Yeah. He needs to be partnering with people. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely needs to widen his margin. He has a business, and, and he, he, he's very busy with his business. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he has the creativity to lead the new era, the new generation that we're trying to to lead in Lawrence. What do you what do you see Lawrence's future as? What do you you you're, look, you're talking about writing a new chapter for Lawrence? What does that look like? What does Lawrence ten years from now, if you had your way, what would Lawrence be like? If I had my way, Lawrence would focus on preserving the child's innocence. They would enroll their kid in hiking and camping activities, Boys and Girl Scouts type of activities. They'll protect their child to the point where they're not allowing the kid to watch MTV, um, Kim Kardashian's early on. Eventually, we're all going to mature, yes, but I believe that Lawrence needs to do a better job in preserving the child's innocence as to not expose them to the world so that once they're in the world, that they know how to fight. Right. Because the biggest thing that I want Black Lives Movement to do is to address these issues politically. Because a lot of the, the reasonings behind the looting and, and and the and the burning of, of of properties is one of the towns, one of the black towns that was that was um burned a long time ago during the Wall Street incident. But if we're going to continue using um fire with fire, we're not going to evolve. We need to be an example, Tom, because I believe um as a Christian, you know, I have to say we're in the end of times because Certainly looks that way. Certainly looks that way. Mm-hmm. And because of the evil that's around us, people are thinking twice about love forgiving and it's 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 much more convenient to to be stern to have a cold heart than to be nice right nowadays so that's why people are responding the way they are because it's it's easier to be mean versus nice because when you're nice you humble yourself you ask for forgiveness you plus being nice is no fun 
Yeah. It's what like, fun is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and a lot of these people need to understand that that if President Trump decides to get involved, it's gonna get ugly. Yeah. And and so far, President Trump has decided to to be idle. He's decided to let the the movement hopefully die out on its own, so that people could um, calm things down on themselves. Right. But what's going on is that people are, are are publicly saying things like this, like "f the police," "defund the police," and and that's only hurting yourself because you're not thinking at a cognitive level. You're not being educated when you say these things and you're right. just hurting yourself do you believe that there is white privilege there 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 is something called favoritism and i believe a lot of people have experienced favoritism not just because of the color of your skin but the way you look sometimes the way you look can give you privilege and it's not just white privilege, but there's also attractive privilege, rich privilege. I, see, I'm with you on the rich. I think there's much more of a rich privilege in this country than the white privilege. Right. If you're rich and your kid gets arrested for drunk driving and you know the police chief and you can pick up the phone and you can call them and make a donation to some police organization, you might be able to get your kid you know, not to have a record. Yeah. Um, we saw the rich people in, in Hollywood that were paying to get their kids into college and pretending that they were on the road team and all this other <laughs> stuff, you know, and, and it wasn't because they were white. It was because of they were rich. But I guess what, what I'm asking is, do you think that there is white privilege? Do you think, because when I hear, when, when the average normal white person hears the term white privilege, most of us think I work three jobs, Right. I'm barely making my rent. What are they talking about? What privilege do I have? There's a lot of white, poor people in Lawrence. Most of the homeless people in Lawrence are white. Mm -hmm. And I don't see them having a lot of white privilege. However, white privilege might mean something else yeah. to the people who are saying it. And so mm -hmm. that's why I'm asking if you think that it exists and if so, how? And, and that's why I want to uh, bring out, um, it's all about perspective and, and the person because the problem is the individual. White, white privilege exists to the point where people feel safer around white people in, in that sense white privilege does exist where um, white people are less intimidating versus a black man or, or or a hispanic man so in that sense i believe that white privilege does exist because the media has protected the the, the individual to the point where the white man the superman and the 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 um the teachers the white ladies type of thing so people feel more comfortable around white people mm -hmm. just because of the way the media is doing it because remember the media is is what's causing all these issues and that's why people are are fighting the wrong fight because they're they, they don't know who their enemy is right I um somebody asked me the other day they said uh, we were talking about this white privilege and I told him you were coming on I was told him I was going to ask you the question and he said um. Don't tell me about white privilege. Here's what he said. Don't tell me about white privilege. You take a 14-year-old black kid and have him walk through an all-white rich neighborhood in Andover, and he's probably going to go home okay. You take a 14-year-old white kid and walk him, walk him through Roxbury at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he's probably not coming home. So don't tell me about white privilege. And I started thinking about that, and that's probably true, but that doesn't necessarily mean there isn't white privilege. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep an open mind on this, so if there is white privilege, you think it's more in the 
in the fact that people feel more comfortable around white people. Is that all the media or is it maybe something else? It's definitely something else. And because when, 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 a, when a black person comes into a room or a Hispanic person comes into a room well-dressed in a, in, 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 a, in a Sunday suit, wearing his uh, Saturday clothes, you know, he, fit, he, he fits right in, he blends right in. But now we have a lot of um, white kids trying to copy a lot of black culture where mm-hmm. they wear their, their pants below their, their... I want to kick them in the ass every time I see it. Anybody and, of any color when I see that. And, 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 and this is the thing that what, what are we trying to project? So when, when, when the media projects that black culture, they're projecting that um, the pants under your, your, your ass. Right. Um, the negative aspects of black the culture. The negative aspects of black culture. So that's why when you look at White people, you think about the lawn, you think about Home Depot, mm-hmm. you think about um, a, a Sunday cleaning, you know. So these are the things that the media has displayed. A lot of black culture, the, the media shows a lot of Lil Wayne, a lot, a lot of rap. So that's what um, black people sometimes draw to. And that's what people think about when they think about a black person. They think about all these rappers, they think about all these negative things that that the media is projecting as opposed to a lot of commercials. They, they present white people with, uh, next to the lawn and doing the laundry, doing the laundry, right. um, Mr. Clean, you know, right. a lot of things, a lot of things. Yeah. So we have uh, some questions from the audience. Um, one person asks, um, do you think racism is a learned behavior or are people born that way? It's a learned behavior. Every human being is, is, is a sponge. Human beings are sponges, and, and that's why we're going to make a killing in this new movement because we're going to challenge people to either bend towards progression or stay stagnant where they are and, and, and rot. Because as creatures of habit, we learn. And a child can be brought up to eat veggies or he can, brought, he can be brought up to eat McDonald's. Right. So a child can be brought up onto love, or he can also be brought up into onto hate, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, somebody else asked, it, would it help if Lawrence had a multicultural center where young people could go of all races? Lawrence, Massachusetts does need a, a, a program where people can come together, despite your differences, despite what you and I may disagree on, but we can talk about our, our agreements, what we have in common. Right. And that's, what, that's how I pretty much positioned myself for this show. I want to show the audience how I'm willing to talk about what we have in common. And less I was hoping more we could talk about what we didn't agree on. Yeah. And so we could get people, you know, more people watching and maybe listening to the other messages. But this could work out well. We've still got a lot of people watching. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. So Lawrence needs to have a, a, a common ground where people can come and talk about what we have in common and less about what we have in difference. And what we have in common is what does Lawrence need? I know we've been talking a lot about the issues, but I, what I believe is it's citizens actively restoring essential surroundings. We need to open up the resources so people can go hiking and camping, so people can go after school. Because remember, this is an after-school involvement. When they go back home, they need to be given the tools to have um, credit knowledge. 
early on right. and also a little bit of history. So this is something that takes money. So people in Lawrence, people who want to fund a better Lawrence tomorrow, they need to be willing to commit to five, ten dollars a month because there there needs to be a staff twenty four seven to run these activities. And I know, I know, Tom, you want to be part of that, and and, and I believe you will be part of that because I know you want to paint a better picture for Lawrence, Massachusetts, because no one ever raised a statue to to a critic, someone who who um. Who, who was always fighting, and that's why I, I don't want to fight. Right. I, I, I want I want a statue to be raised under our name. Hell yeah. Why? Because we're introducing a new era, and we can do that if we organize the funding. So Lawrence has had billions with a B, billions of dollars pumped into it by the state and federal government since like the 1970s. And when you think about the billions that have been spent in Lawrence, and then you drive around Lawrence, you think... Where did it all go? Yeah, you see the roads are, are all shit. There's garbage everywhere. There's Disgusting. fights. There's homeless people everywhere. And and so I don't know that, that money is going to fix the problem. I mean, I think a more responsible way of spending money in the city That's would be a is. problem, would, 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 would help fix the problem. Mm-hmm. But the Lawrence schools get so much money. It's like 100 and I'm going to guess, but I'm, I bet I'm close. It's like $190 million for the Lawrence public schools. And these kids still graduate not being able to speak, read, and write English. They can't spell. They can't read a traditional clock. But they all know about abortion. They all know all the political topics. And I blame the teachers' unions for that. Because everyone says, well, the teachers do such a great job. And I get in a lot of trouble from my political friends when I say, I I don't believe that the teachers do a good job. Because I look at the product. But part of the problem that I think, just my, my suggestion, the teachers' unions have an awful lot of control over what the curriculum is. They spend a lot of money supporting political candidates that are going to push a specific curriculum so teachers can work less, so they have less of a burden, so they have more benefits. And that doesn't help the kids at all. You look at the... I graduated in 1985. I think mine was the last white class in, in Lawrence High School. <laughs> and I think the class behind me... It might, it might have been two classes, but I think the class behind me... I think we had like eight Latinos in my graduating class, and there were like eight white people in the class behind me. Because that was when the influx came in. That was like, it was right around like that time. And, you know, I, I, I remember as, as someone who was watching my neighborhood transform, watching my schools transform, I remember thinking like, what is Lawrence going to be like in 20 years? Like Lawrence has got so many problems now. And look at this influx of all these immigrants who can't speak English. They're not being taught English. In fact, when I was on the school committee, I, I made a motion one of my first meetings to get rid of 18 bilingual teachers because they couldn't speak English. I said, so you're taking kids in Spanish who speak Spanish, putting them in with a teacher that can't speak English, calling it bilingual. When they graduate, how are they going to get a job? And it was immediately, that's racism. So how do you fix that problem when, when the teachers' union is, is conspiring to keep poor people poor, when the system, this is where I think systematic racism does exist in our education system. When you have poor kids being kept poor, the standards are lower, um, there's no discipline enforced in the schools. If a kid hits a teacher, if a kid hits another kid, the kid's almost always back in the classroom five minutes later, and it teaches them that there are no consequences. Anyway, that's my, I want to hear more from you. I'm, everybody at home knows where I stand on all this stuff. Oh, yeah, no, I, I hear you 100%. So... And that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of the issues that happen in Lawrence is what you say, the way the money's being spent. It's not being spent the right way. Um, I, who's, I don't know who's writing these contracts when it comes to um, get, getting the roads fixed, but 
um, I feel like they're they're trying to get the uh, the most work with the least buck. I don't know what's going on because they they fix a road one week and then the next week it's it's all um, deteriorated. Yeah, they're ripping it up. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. So you have bad engineers who are uh, who, 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 who who oh we have to uh, work under this road after you just build it. Right. You know what I mean. So they're 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 working. Um, their efforts are being duplicated. So we need to address our leaders. City council needs to change. We need city council members who are going to bring these these new ideas because the issue is the education. What's happening when kids go home? Right. The reason why there wasn't um, a, a, a violent protest in Lawrence is because a, a lot of the community members talked about it. Right. And this is the conversation that needs to continue happening because if we stop there and make this a race issue, we're going to stay ignorant. Right. And and that's why I want Black Lives Movement movement to to transition to move this into an educational movement. Do you think talking about racism all the time, talking about race conflict all the time, makes things worse? It makes it worse. The more you, because this is what this is. Honestly, I swear, I swear to you, Russia might be behind this all. Russia might be behind it. Could be Russia or China. Yeah, I think Russia might be behind it because Russia has been looking for a long time how to divide and conquer the United States, and how do you do that to a country? You 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 put them against each other. Sure. And how do you do that specifically in the United States? White and black people. Right. Because, um, but most white and black people, if you, I mean, contrary to what CNN broadcasts every day. Most white and black people get along really well together. Like most, they yeah. work fine together. Yeah. They, they, the kids play together in the same neighborhoods. During the NFL season, this is during the NFL season. If you look, if you turn the TV on, what do you see? Black people all over. Right. You see, and most people watching are white. And the and, and most of the people are watching are white. So, so that's what I'm saying. Race. The topic of race is just um, an idea. That we need to stop talking about because during the NFL season, during the basketball season, um, no one feels black, no one feels white. Right. We all just feel like competitors. Mm-hmm. We all feel like we're Romans, right. generals, and that's the new wave we need to bring people to. They need to remember um, that they're the ones fueling this. Mm-hmm. Got a few more questions. We're we're, we're uh, got about five ten minutes. Um, let's see. I had it here. Uh, what did your guests think of all these white people saying that they are sorry for being white walking around in chains? I don't know if you saw that. Okay. Number one, you cannot be sorry for the way God made you. God created humans to be equal in opportunity, creativity. God knows why he made you um, white, why he made me Hispanic. and And the point is, we have to embrace our flavor. We have to enjoy um, the seasonings that we come from. And to, to 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 the white people who are who are stabbing themselves in the heart, who are making themselves feel burdened, I want to tell you: don't project that type of behavior because you're just going to weaken um, the movement. You're going to make this a race issue. You're going to tell people it's wrong to be to be to be white you, you, you're gonna glorify that division if you're white don't feel bad for being white just call yourself a human being because again reverse racism is a thing that's gonna grow unfortunately reverse racism is gonna grow if we continue talking about race i think that um 
one of the things I've always complained about, and I and I've seen it especially in Lawrence because I grew up there. Uh, most people don't know I lived there until I was forty. Um, it seems as though the government is willing to pay people to break up their family if they're poor. Uh, if a woman has three different kids from three different guys and none of them live with her, she gets a lot more money from welfare than if the guy moves in, gets a job, and starts participating in the family. And it seems to me that if the government was paying people to stay together instead of paying people to break up, you'd have more fathers in the home. And a lot of these kids wouldn't be burning down police stations and throwing rocks at cops because they'd have a dad kicking them in the ass at home telling them not to behave that way. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So how do we get the Democrat Party, which controls most of our schools, which controls all of the teachers unions in every single state in the country, how do we, how do we get rid of that systemic racism by the rich white elites – that want it to stay the way that it is. How do, we get the, how do we get the government to start ponying up money instead of giving it to the woman who kicks the, husband, the, the baby daddy out, instead of giving her more money for doing that, giving, her, giving them more money if he stays and, and raises his own kids and, and giving them a scholarship you know, or giving him partial scholarships, giving him job training because he stayed home, because they're poor, they're minority, and they're living in maybe in a housing community and they didn't take the easy way out where the father just screws and the woman goes on welfare. So your question is how do we give these um, Yeah, how do we get there? Like we all know what we all know that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a good idea. How do we get there? So pretty much you have to motivate people. Because there's a famous phrase that says you could bring a horse to water, you could bring him to the to the river, but you can't make him drink. Number one, people they have to want it. And the problem with with a lot of people is that they don't want to change. They're comfortable. Right. It's easy. We see that with the homeless a lot. Yeah. When you're comfortable, you you feel secure. And that's the problem. Nowadays, people people don't want to work. People don't want to do the, the nine to five. They, they, they don't want to invest time. They want to take the shortcut. And that's why the race card is the shortcut. Being a father takes time. Having a lot of different girlfriends is a shortcut because you don't have you don't have the no responsibility you don't have to have a responsibility of having a, a, a real conversation with a right. with a partner, so that's the problem in Lawrence sometimes that people they they glorify that lifestyle. Right. So talk about Lawrence cares. We got about five minutes left. Talk about Lawrence cares. What is it? How can people contribute? And and will you come back and and do this again? Because this was fun. It wasn't what I expected at all, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun, and I I want to see where this can go mm-hmm. because. Because of the coronavirus, I didn't have my my camera crew here with me. He's outside actually. He's been waiting for me outside of my car. But that'll just um he'll be fine. I'll give him twenty bucks okay. later. <laughs> give him give, I'll give him a pizza. Um, well, I was gonna buy you dinner. Oh, okay. Um, but T Bone, it's raining. But T Bone's across the street has outdoor dining and it's raining. But if they're open, I'm okay with buying lunch for both these if he wants to come up and we'll we'll have lunch here. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. Okay. And and. What I want, what I want everyone who's watching this, who's going to watch this, to take from this is, we are in the middle of shaping our history. I will not glorify violence. I will not glorify looting. I will stand up for citizens actively restoring essential surroundings. That is Lawrence cares. That is the new chapter we want to write. We need after school involvement. The way that the money is being spent, the way that the money is being distributed, is hurting us. It's wrong. And again, Black Lives Movement has been infiltrated by a Democratic Party who is just on a agenda and is just fueling people, using people of color to fight a war 
against white people. And this is something that we need to understand. You have white people getting black people angry to fight white people. Right. So that's 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 what. But it's the it's usually the elite white people whose neighborhoods are not going to be burned down. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 Anderson Coopers of the world, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, who don't want us to build a border on our southern on our southern uh, build a wall on our southern border, but has a nine foot high wall around her house, right? Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it seems it's it to, to me it's always been more about class than about race. But the minute race gets introduced into it, there's no way you can solve the problem. Yep. And and immediately. The moment you're signaled as a racist, you're the worst person in the room. Right. And that needs to end because I have a lot of people who are being hurt. Racist, being called a racist can be just as hurtful as being called the N-word. And that, that's how it's, it, it's becoming. By the way, I agree with that. You know, I get called a racist all the time. All the time. And it doesn't matter to the... What's interesting is people think that you're a racist based on what you say, not based on what you do. So I always try... Even if they're kids, like these 14-year-old kids that come on my page... And they say, you're a racist. And I say, well, let me ask you something. What is a racist then? Because I recruited more than a dozen Latino candidates to run for office and manage their campaigns in Lawrence. And I can tell you who they are, Marcos Devers, Griselle Silva, Noka Alvarez, right down the line. We, we give scholarships to Latino kids from Lawrence High in the Vogue every year at our charity bash. I don't know any members of the Klan doing that. So what is your definition of racism? Because I said something that you took as insensitive toward your race. How does that make me a racist? And they don't have an answer. You know, they've been taught to have a knee-jerk reaction, not to actually have a conversation. Yep, and that's what it is. People need to stop um, having the easy way out, get ready to have the tough conversations, because I'm ready to have these tough conversations. Right. And what Lawrence Cares is, it's a, it's an idea. It's a, it's a movement. C- uh, citizens actively restoring essential surroundings. That's what the Cares stands for. And I want to partner with current organizations that are currently running. Will you, will you write a column for us every month? Oh, I got will you address race issues in our, in our paper every month? I would love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we could definitely negotiate um, an opportunity to continue doing that because, like I said, I want more Hispanics to become involved with the Valley Patriot because the Valley Patriot is going to head toward the direction that's going to shape the Merrimack Valley mm-hmm. to once again be the point of example onto the rest of the world because, like I said, Black Lives Movement, like you pointed out earlier, is different around the, the entire nation. Mm-hmm. It's more aggressive than down south if we go a little bit down um to, to a little bit to, to the west coast it's, it's it's become very violent so the east coast is really the only place where lawrence showed an example as to what could potentially happen right if people stop saying things like fuck the police defund the police like that needs to stop right away right. systemic racism like that that needs like to there stop. is systemic racism but it's not in, it, what's interesting is there is systemic racism but it's in our education system and it's in our political system it's not in the criminal justice system yeah most most people who are arrested in Lawrence are Latino. They're Dominican. Because most people who live in Lawrence are Latino. They're Dominican. Yeah. Right? And so you can't look at some of these statistics and then draw a conclusion from one statistic. Exactly. And people need to stop being biased. People need to stop um, being being emotional because this is not a emotional this is this is this is hurting people this is this is a very sensitive topic but you cannot be emotional when you're when you're dealing with matters of public um civil rights uh, future uh, sure and you could remove that from the political topic and just ask people at home if you're listening have you ever made a good decision have you ever made an emotional decision and have it be a good decision I've never made a good decision based on emotion. Exactly. It's always been, oh my God, I was so mad or I was so upset when I, when I did that and I made an emotional decision. 
And so you're right. In the political realm, in the realm of race relations, making emotional decisions is never good. It's never good. Like I, I can't think of one time I've ever made an emotional decision and it turned out okay. Yep. And and this is a emotional fueled movement. And people need to stop using the excuse, oh, well, they did it to us. Right. So now we're going to do it to you. Right. Because we need to... I don't want to offend anybody, but we need to look. No, at, no, offend everybody you can. We need to look at Jesus as, as as an example. What would Jesus do? I know, I know, we're up against time here, but you brought up Jesus, and I want to bring up one more point before we go. It, it seems to me that, and one of the things that's always bothered me since I was in high school was that we preach Martin Luther King as a hero, but what we don't preach is what his motivation was behind what he did. If you read the letters from Birmingham. He did what he did as nonviolent protest and to try and change the world because of his belief in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Catholic. I'm Jewish. I converted a long time ago. I keep the Sabbath, too. Okay. But, but we don't teach young kids today, young black kids in our public schools, that Martin Luther King's motivation was coming from love. It was coming from his belief in Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ taught. And whether you believe in Jesus or you don't, it's important to understand what his motivation was. Because you can't, on the one hand, say, we believe in Martin Luther King, he was a hero, and then in the next breath say, fuck the police, burn down the police station, white people are evil. Because Martin Luther King didn't believe in any of that stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason, if you take away that motivation, when the school, public schools and the colleges took that motivation away and only taught certain parts of what Martin Luther King's life was, you remove the motivation, you can fill that with anything. You can fill it with race, hatred, revenge, anything you want, right? Mm-hmm. And and if we could just be honest, and I think that what's so missing in all of our public discussions, all of them, Fox News, CNN, is just honesty. Let's just call things the way they are. Let the chips fall where they may and then try and fix the problem. Yep. And it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of tough conversations. It's going to take people capable of having those conversations because one of the problems that one of the problems that we're having is you have the wrong people opinionating when they shouldn't be. Right. I had one per, one person comment on my speech that I gave that you saw that I was, um, I, I, I was transparent. I was trying to appease both both, both people because um, there was, the crowd was coming at Mayor Dan Rivera. They, they were angry at Mayor Dan Rivera, and I told them, okay, yes, we know that the 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 funding has gone to the police where they have a lot of police new, uh, new police cars and we need funding for education to teach on on black history on black lives and and, and we know we need that um man i lost my train of thought where I was that's okay there. that's all right but um the, the point is but i liked that the crowd was turning on dan rivera that part i liked oh yeah so so the crowd was dan rivera he he gave the mic because the the crowd was was, was turning on dan rivera right and, and but they should love him after what he said about donald trump they should love him because he plays the race card better than anybody in the world yep mm-hmm. and yet they turned on him too <laughs> i always i always say that whether it's the mayor of of minneapolis i don't know if you saw what happened to him yesterday or it's dan rivera People will never respect weakness. No. If you show weakness, if you if you are, are are hesitant, if you show any kind of whether they're on your side or they're not, they're going to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. And you've got to show resolve. I just I wish Dan had. I mean, you can't take it back, but I wish he, we could go back in time to when when Donald Trump called out Lawrence. Yeah. And he could go back in time and do something different because Lawrence would be very different right now had he done that. Yeah, but he he had a, he had an opportunity to make people proud to be from Lawrence. And you have the complete opposite now. People right. sometimes feel a little bit ashamed. Right. Um, even when I was in the military, people would say, "Oh, you're from Lawrence." Oh, right. People knew. People knew us down south. Right. So I just got my point back, and it's 
you you need to have the right people opinionating and, and putting out facts. Because I had a girl who commented on my speech who said I was defending um um the police officers and I was defending white people. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, have you watched my video? And she didn't even watch my speech. So you have people like that, um, like a cancer, if ignored, it'll spread. So bad ideas, bad opinions like that person who is uneducated, if left unattended, it will spread. So I checked her on, 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 on Facebook. I checked her. I told her, listen, number one, you didn't watch my video. And if, and if you continue to uh, um, defend the things that you're doing, you're just going to add on to the, to the chaoticness that's going on around us. You know? Right, right. Uh, we do have to go because we're about eight minutes over. I want to thank our sponsors. We have a lot of sponsors, Ben. We're doing pretty good here. Uh, McLennan Real Estate. We love Matt and Sam. Uh, if you want to buy a house, uh, buy a house from these people. They do a lot of good work in the community. They always give us money for our scholarships for Lawrence High School at our bash every year. Uh, AFC Urgent Care. If you need to get a coronavirus test, if you think, even though everyone thinks coronavirus is over, it's, it is still out there. So if you want a test, uh, give them a call. Make an appointment. They will give you a test. Marcin and Son Constructions. The Methuen Police Superior Officers Union who we hope is going to be here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the, the uh, management audit that's going on in Methuen. Climate Designs Systems, Horizon Home Care, called Karen Ferullo. These people are heroes. They go into people's homes that are sick, especially during this coronavirus. Borelli's Deli, JG's Ice Cream, a free shout-out to Lambert, uh, Paul Lambert, uh, Attorney Paul Lambert, uh, Law Office, and Don's Sign Tech, as well as uh, the North Andover Car Wash. We want to... Uh, give a free plug to them too. They just started advertising with us. Uh, Santiago, thank you so much for coming. I, I I hope that you can come again. Maybe we can even get a panel together. Maybe you can bring someone that doesn't agree with us on everything. Bring them in, and we can have a, a, another discussion where maybe we can have uh, you know we can. I, I really just want to educate people at home. So I like having people here that don't agree. I and and let's see who we find that doesn't agree on. Progress. Right, just don't don't ask Debo Brown because <laughs> I just. Someday, someday I may be able to get over what he's done. Yeah, we will. We're gonna get there because I, it's, it's, it's gonna take acknowledgement. On I all. just, I just, I just need, I just need to know that it's never gonna happen again, and that's what I asked the last three times. And if I could feel comfortable that it's never gonna happen again, I could. But I'm, I'm yeah, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Four times bitten, you know. Yeah, because it's cause, very difficult. Because if, if we get two power lords like you and Debo Brown in the same activity, in the same um, movement. Right. You're going to have a lot of black and Hispanic people. You're going to have a lot of white people. Right. And and that's what Lawrence is. Right. I agree. And that's what Lawrence hey, is. thanks for coming in. Thank this, you. This was great. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Uh, the Valley Patriot, our 200th anniversary, our 200th edition. I can't believe we've published 200 papers. We just celebrated our 16th anniversary in March. Uh, Santiago is going to start writing for us. Methuen Mayor Neil Perry's new column exclusively in the Valley Patriot hit the streets today. Uh, Melvin Taylor says go home, so you got to go home already. Tell me to go home.